Hello and welcome to the ID Talk podcast. My name is Peter Counter and I am the editor-in-chief of Fine Biometrics and Mobile ID World. And today I am here to present a very special interview with Louis Guijarro, Chief Marketing Officer at FaceFee. FaceFee recently announced record-breaking revenue for 2022, continuing a long-running growth trend for the identity leader. That makes it a perfect time to catch up with Guijarro on his company's quest to protect identities. In this interview, he and I discussed the effect rapid digitization has had on fraud, as well as the secret to FaceFee's success in Latin America and how the company handles user privacy. A major theme that we keep coming back to is the importance of flexibility in the identity industry and how the right business philosophy is the key to achieving a fraud-free future. I loved having this conversation, and I hope you'll enjoy it too. So here is my interview with FaceFee CMO Louis Guijarro on the ID Talk podcast. I'm joined now by Louis Guijarro, Chief Marketing Officer at FaceFee. Louis, thank you for joining me on ID Talk. Thank you so much, Peter. Glad to be here. I want to start off by talking about what it takes to protect identities in 2023. The past two years have been characterized by rapid digitization across nearly every industry, and that's left users vulnerable to hackers and fraudsters. What are the most pressing threats to user identity in 2023? Well, Peter, in, in our opinion, and, and being for this many years in the, in the, in the industry, uh, basically this vulnerability comes from, from the increased uh, need in the industry to secure the identities, which obviously more, uh, more and more uh, industries today still are not really uh, implementing uh, the required technologies to provide the assurance that the users and the organizations need to, to, to have a proper uh, digital identity solution in place. Um, obviously, one of the most uh, prominent uh, situations that we, we find in the market is the, the presentation attacks. Uh, uh, when uh, 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 trying to, to demonstrate that, that the fraudster is the actual, the actual right person, um, primarily, <clears throat> sorry, and primarily what we get is, is, is fraud at, at, at device uh, level, fraud at, at ID level, and of course, uh, uh, trying to, to present themselves as, as another person. Um, there, are, there are today several technologies in the market that can definitely uh, solve this problem. But uh, well, obviously with, with more demand has to the market has come more players. Not all of the players are really uh, capable of providing with, with the uh, actual needed solution for the, the company. And, and some companies are also taking an approach of let's say going ahead with, with some technologies in part of the, of the situation, part of the problem, but I are not really concerned or they don't really have the view or the understanding of what actually it takes to, to secure an identity properly. So they might be leaving some gaps. Uh, for example, they might be securing uh, properly the, the interaction, uh, at, for example, using biometrics at, at identifying the face of the person, but then they have they are lacking in the in the fraud uh, uh, that occurs at the document side. So that's those are uh, I would say most of the of the actual situation in the in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, either either uh, uh, well from the fraudster level presentation attacks, and obviously from the company level is uh, everything everything that comes with with a high growth 
like, like has happened with the digitization of the industry, obviously presents opportunities for the fraudsters to enter. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating to look at it in that in that sort of two pronged uh, method. My follow up question to that, though, is what can identity technology providers like FaceFi do to help address these threats? Well, basically, the, the approach that we've taken is, is to have what we call a Swiss knife uh, uh, tool in the industry, because uh, with, with the years that we've been in the market, we've realized uh, at the end, there is no single use case, there is no single need, and there's no single approach. Uh, so basically, what, what we try and do is, is apart from developing the, the, the strongest technologies uh, and the highest state-of-the-art technologies in the market possible, um, obviously, is to look at the problem from different sides, so we can secure with with different technologies and with different uh, uh, capabilities that that we are uh, addressing these threats properly. So, so basically, what we do is is, for example, we have a, a different set of technologies that, depending on the on the use case, um, they can be they can be implemented together. Let me let me put you an example. For example. Um, uh, in the past, when when uh, users have started uh, interacting with with tech, with uh, companies uh, in the digital world, apart obviously from the passwords, etc., once once they come into a, a biometric world, um, normally, as you know, you pass from an onboarding process where you capture the face, you capture the document, and you make sure that they match. Uh, uh, but and and then you use the biometric uh, template to to authenticate the user. In the application, in the in the website, etc. But what happens that, for example, if I'm a user, I have already used biometric authentication to enter my, for example, my my bank uh, application, and then someone stole my my telephone, or there is a there is an injection attack, and and the and the session is is routed to a hacker. Um, obviously, that that can be uh, that can pass as a as a valid session for the for the company. But but it's been hijacked. Uh, we do have, for example, uh, uh, behavioral biometric technologies that detect if if the device has changed, if there has been any any change in the in the user behavior with the technology, to 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 secure to secure and to make sure that the complete digital session is secure. So basically, by having this different set of tools, you can implement different sets of of technologies at different points. Imagine in this example I was mentioning. Uh, a, as a user, I use my face to authenticate and enter the app. Uh, then I have behavioral biometrics running behind. And if if the if the risk scoring gets too high because there's something happened in the session, we can ask again the user, for example, directly, can you do now a voice authentication or can you do another facial uh, uh, authentication? And, and with that set of flow and, and combination of technologies, we can make the, the digital session much more secure. Mm -hmm. I really love to hear an answer like that. And I really love the uh, comparison to the Swiss army knife because um, it really does demand right now in the, the fraud, fraud law, law, pardon me, in the fraud landscape that you were describing earlier, it really does need that multi-tool approach uh, and one that can only really be served by uh, an identity, a biometric identity platform with all of those tools. I want to talk a little bit about something you mentioned earlier too. You know, in recent years with the digitization that we've been seeing, uh, there's been a massive influx of identity verification technologies, uh, largely point solutions, not platforms, but they're all trying to capitalize on the opportunities that we've been discussing. My question is, how has Face Fee established 
your established history uh, helped your company stay well positioned in the saturated market? Well, I would say that if I have to provide you the short answer is basically our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, from the very beginning, we, we uh, as you know, we, we've been a, a primary player in, in the industry, especially focused in the banking, in the banking industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though we started with tier two uh, banks in the market, obviously we moved after with the years to tier one with companies such as Santander or HSBC. Um, obviously having those big numbers behind your, your back uh, uh, definitely helps you uh, stay well positioned because at the end of the day, you are capable of, of securing a bank account. Uh, uh, why wouldn't you be able to, to let's say, use your technology for I don't know for for renting a car or for uh, accessing a venue, etc. Um, but of course, that relies on the development of, of technology, and and again, the approaches as I said before, uh, of course, in in the the 12 years in the uh, sorry in the 10 years that we've been in the industry uh the market has changed dramatically the user adoption has increased exponentially uh, and and so the competitors of course and and obviously because there are more opportunities in the market the market is bigger and more customers and more uh, industries are applying this technology but at the end is is the same concept that we were mentioning before is this flexibility uh, flexibility and obviously trying to stay ahead of the curve with with technology. Um, let me put you an example. Um, even though we we primarily focus on or focused in the past in the in the banking industry, um, as as you know, not all technologies fit every regulation in the market and mm-hmm. and every use case. So flexibility for us is key. Um, you can approach with the same use case. You can approach, for example, a country with one regulation and so you need one technology and, and you go, you may go to another one and have a different technology for the same purpose. Like uh, if, if I put an example, <clears throat> when doing an onboarding in Mexico, you will need the standard procedure, capture the document, capture the face, make sure that the document is valid, make sure that the face is actually a real person and then match those two. Uh, but then you need to add to this standard process, you need to add a video recording of the person saying that they accept terms and conditions and that they are uh, doing it today and at this time. If, if you have that same use case, for example, in the European Union, you have to do it through a, a video call, video recording. It's the exact, for the user, it's the exact same process, but the technology behind is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, for you need different technologies and, and different capabilities to address the same the same problem in different uh, geographies verticals etc so for us if uh, apart from obviously using our, our customers as, as leverage to to showcase our capabilities uh, obviously is is again staying ahead of the cure with the technology and and trying to provide the technology as flexible as possible to to be able to cover the demand to to keep foster away and and obviously serve the users as 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 good as possible Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like that's that theme of, um, or that, that refrain of flexibility is going to be coming up a lot in this conversation. And it's, it's really great to, to, you know, hear about the importance of having technology deployed and in practice and not just, you know, um, hypothetical capabilities, but being able to, to actually show real examples of your technology in practice. Um, for our audience listening, you know, th- I'm sure that they all understand this concept, but I'm wondering on a practical level, what are some key differentiators 
that relying parties should look for when they're trying to protect the identities of their users? Well, here I would like to, Peter, I would like to actually talk in, in let's say, two, two, two focuses that you have to have. Mm -hmm. uh, and we always like to put first the user and then the security. And when I mean the user, is obviously not only the, the, the user's uh, data, that, that it needs to be uh, properly secured, uh, uh, well accessible when required. Um, but also there is one point that, that we need to make sure is that the user experience, uh, that you really need to focus on user experience because at the end of the day, um, you might have people from, I don't know, 95 years old to, to 15 years old, and, and the, they use technology and understand technology differently. And, and they are not as tech savvy as, as, as others. And let's say, for example, um, if you don't keep uh, focusing on, on user experience, um, there might be some fraud coming in from, from, a, from a, 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 let's say, a process that some people may understand is secure and, and they will not realize that, for example, their, their identity is being hijacked. Um, and that for the from from the users part. When you're talking about the the actual architecture and the actual uh, company side, uh, of course they need to know that uh, the technology they, they are relying is a tested technology, because as you said, um, with the with the maximum with this massive influx of of technologies, uh, there are lots of vendors that are in the market that they they actually don't develop the technology, don't own the technology or they're simply uh, third-party vendors, uh, uh, which uh, uh, that is not, I'm not to say that this is not a, a proper business. There are great companies doing, selling solutions of other, other people that they do. They have a, a wonderful product because they, they add value uh, differently, but, but you have to make sure that the technology is tested, that the technology is actually secure. Obviously you have NIST uh, 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 organization checking uh, the accuracy of the, of the technology, you have their APTA to make sure that, that okay, for example, in the lightness test, this company really uh, can, can secure your identities and is not going to be uh, prone to a, a presentation attack. So basically making sure that the, the technology you are, you are trying to implement in the company uh, is from a reliable uh, vendor. Uh, and there is one thing that the industry doesn't do today, and, and this is a problem, is that with this influx of, of uh, companies selling verification technologies, um, it's difficult to differentiate the, the good ones from the from the average one, from the bad ones. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, uh, one of the things we always re recommend to our customers is that they talk to other customers. We, we put our, uh, for example, if, if we are opening up uh, or we are discussing with one client, we provide them directly references to all, uh, other customers and say, okay, they, they have the same problem uh, as you. Why don't you go and call them? Because uh, most probably they will obviously uh, explain you if their their opinion of our technology or of uh, our company is, is is the proper one uh, or not. And that is that is also a, a point that you should be you should be taking care of. So basically, uh, making sure uh, what company you have behind by checking organizations such as NIST uh, or other uh, uh, venues, and obviously double checking that that the company you are trying to work with has as leverage on some real uh, uh, in-production uh, solutions in the market. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I really, I really love that last point that you made there. Um, and again, that, that goes back to what you were saying about the importance of having those large customers that you've, uh, that you've been able to 
you know, leverage to, to great success. Um, yeah. <laughs> you really do need to is, have those examples. <laughs> and there is, and there's one point also, Peter, that I would like to stress is that, hmm. I mean, um, because at the end of the day, uh, these technologies are, are not, are easy to implement when you have the proper uh, architecture behind. But the, the reality of the companies is that their needs change co uh, completely from one year to, to the other. So another differentiation factor that they should be looking at is the, the, the capability of the, of the provider to, to deliver you the, the product uh, uh, in different scenarios and situations. So for example, let's say that today I'm a, I'm a company that runs primarily on a, on a mobile app, but then tomorrow I will be needing uh, my solution on desktop. I need to check the capabilities of this company actually to have the product ready for desktop for, for being used in a, in a web browser, in a, in a computer. Uh, uh, or for example, let's say that for any reason I need to change uh, or I need to expand my market from Android, from iOS. Uh, let's say that, that we need to have uh, hybrid uh, languages uh, for any purpose or any, or any application. Um, obviously, it's important if you find a vendor that has the capability to use our laws. Uh, and obviously that all the security that is, for example, applied to the mobile can be reflected to, to a different application. Because uh, obviously if, if I'm talking to a customer, I'm gonna show my jewel uh, and the best solution that I have in, in the scenario that I, that I have. Like for example, my, my solution on mobile might be great, maybe the most secured, uh, but then when I move or if I have to transition that technology, to a, to, a, to a web browser, uh, then the situation changes. Mm -hmm. so of course, uh, uh, that, that could be also prone to attack. If, if, if part of the, of the traffic that, that you're coming, some of the users are coming from different channels, uh, you need to make sure that all the channels are as secure as, as the, more, the more important one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's I mean, now is a very great time for that message because uh, you know everybody listening to this absolutely knows how quickly uh customer needs change they change literally overnight and uh once again flexibility is the way to stand on top of it and of course you know this is not just about customer convenience here these are very high stakes transactions so it's really important not to compromise as well um yeah. going off of what you mentioned about you know being able to uh, adapt to a changing market that'll change year to year. I would like to talk a little bit now about global identity trends. Uh, FaceFee is a global company. You have customers on many continent, continents. Uh, notably, you're a pioneer and leader in the Latin American market, as you'd mentioned before. So my question here is, how is Latin America different from other regions when it comes to identity adoption? Well, basically, Peter, um, what we realized and, and when, when approaching Latin America market is, is the level of innovation that they're, they're happily uh, ready to implement. Um, obviously, the, the, the fraud level in Latin America is high, uh, but there are also several situations that make the market more, more capable of, of applying uh, innovation, applying technology, uh, innovation in technology to their, to their, uh, to their solutions. And also there is one, one important thing is that the, the companies in Latin America are really, really focusing today on, pro, on bringing innovation to the users uh, to make sure that they are uh, ahead of their, of their competitors. So when it comes to the, to the actual identity situation, uh, imagine that the first 
uh, they were among the first companies, uh, uh, even the first banks implementing uh, identity technology in the market. Imagine we were we were having uh, customers in production back in 2013, 2014, when 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 not even the, the devices were not even with with with, for example, Face ID capabilities uh, such as Apple. So it was not it was not not mainstream technology, and they were already replacing passwords. Uh, 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 using uh, biometric templates to 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 make login, uh, they were among also the first ones, uh, the first bank implementing onboarding technologies. So I would say that one of the situations that makes them different uh, is that that they're really really keen on on providing and trying technologies to to bring them uh, an edge uh, both uh, in terms of of user experience and 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 with with their competition and of course to to making sure that they keep Proster away. From from their business, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I mean that that um, enthusiasm for innovation, I think, has really made Latin America a very hot identity market. Um, so to follow up, how has Facefee managed to stand out in that market, uh, particularly when we're talking about the banking sector? Well, one of the one of the situations that you need to to take uh, into account is that the banking sector, um, and obviously, they, they need to be really really secure. And and as you know, most of them are still uh, they still have uh, architectures uh, on premise and not not on the cloud. Even though they are migrating some services or, uh, now to the cloud, um, and but obviously, uh, we for that is is we, we need to have a tailor made product because every single customer has a different architecture. And, and we need to have a, a solution that is able to adapt to all those. Um, for that, we have solutions uh, that are being installed both on-premise uh, uh, as a service. We do have plug and play. And, and, and of course, we were among the first developing uh, a, a complete uh, digital uh, identity platform and solution. And, and also, as I was saying before, is, is, is trying to be ahead of the cure and, and trying to have uh, uh, the best state uh, uh, of the art technology available, so so when 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 we were already uh, implementing solutions with with Face, we were testing voice, we were testing fingerprint, we were already uh, providing our customers with the capability of having behavioral biometrics, uh, video call, um, being able to create their own identity flows, uh, or or even uh, uh, providing them with with capabilities in the platform that we have. For, for for example, blacklisting or, or securing one-to-end um, uh, -end, uh, uh, capabilities. So basically, and again, I know it's a message that we've been repeating so far in the podcast, but it's, it's flexibility, uh, having the possibility to go um, uh, to multiple channels and providing, uh, going, uh, staying always ahead of, of, of the curve in terms of, of, of the customer needs, uh, the fraudster and, and the users. Because if, if we actually analyze the portfolio of products that we have, I would say that the no, we are still covering much more than, than our customer needs. So we are trying to stay ahead always two, three years of, of our customer needs so that by the time a, a solution leaves the beta status, uh, is really is really ready for the market conditions to, to be applied. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I, yeah, I, I do want to emphasize that it, it is important to uh, repeat the importance of flexibility. It's something that we used to talk about a lot in the earlier days of the mobile biometrics revolution is what we used to call it at Fine Biometrics. But it's uh, it was something that was a very much talked about a lot. And now since we've had this massive influx, I think because there are so many 
simple point solutions, we don't emphasize how important that flexibility is. So I'm happy to keep repeating flexibility throughout the podcast. But um, I also want to mention something. You mentioned that when you were starting out uh, in the Latin American market, that that was before some of the major uh, cultural touchstones that we have that have led to the mainstreaming of biometrics. This was before Face ID. There was just Touch ID, I guess, on the iPhone back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Face V is you know, one of the pioneers in identity verification technology and authentication technology, as uh, we've been we've been talking about it. You've witnessed the market change as the technology and the customer needs has evolved. So for many people, that technology that used to be very novel, it's much more familiar to them. My question is, how have consumer trends like these, I'm talking about mainstreaming um, technology becoming more comfortable with biometrics and identity, um, how have have those increased tech literacy-enabled adoption? Well, obviously, uh, uh, what what it might uh, uh, be a threat when obviously when when we were hearing like uh, again we were we, we were presenting and having in production uh, facial biometric technology in a bank uh, to log in when when the when the devices were still with with the fingerprint, um, and obviously uh, when we started hearing that that uh, for example companies such as uh, Apple or Google they will start using uh, uh, Face ID and the likes. Um, you always don't really know how if that's going to be a threat or that is going to be a, a, an opportunity. Um, definitely, it has become a great opportunity for us because, uh, as, as I was saying before, uh, it has made the, the level of, of uh, adoption, uh, the technology adoption for this, uh, much more uh, smooth for everyone. Imagine, and, and I would say that actually, and, and we have experienced, as, as you know, two, two real situations. Number one is, is some technology becoming mainstream, um, and obviously the users uh, being aware of, of, of how it works and, and what they should do. But I would say, and as, as we all know, the, the COVID situation that, that obviously put us all apart and, and kept us locked in our houses, uh, even though it has been a forced uh, leap in the, in, the, in the use of technology, um, it has really, really increased this literacy because, for example, um, and there is some, this is something that we have uh, uh, talked uh, previously in this podcast about a, a use case that we had back in, in COVID times when, when we, we were approached by a bank in Argentina saying, uh, well, basically their, their problem was uh, the government is, is, is uh, uh, we are the ones that pay the, the pensions to the, to the, to the retirees in our, in our country. Um, and obviously, uh, we cannot ask them uh, uh, during COVID lockdown to go to a branch and present themselves to make sure that they are alive. So we keep paying them uh, their pensions. And uh, we developed a technology uh, for, for doing uh, uh, basically a liveness test, just uh, opening up an application within the bank application. And, and they were uh, demonstrating that they were still alive and they were collecting their pensions. And this was obviously a use case that was to be used from people 65, 75, 70 years old and above uh, uh, that had to be deployed uh, uh, without uh, really being able to, to explain them because they were at their houses. Uh, the cure was, okay, here you have it, either you use it or or or, uh, or, or then it's going to be much more difficult for you to collect your pension. And, and, and uh, again, and this is something that I mentioned before, if you do the proper user experience, 
doesn't matter if if we are talking to a to a 12 year old person or we're talking to a 95 year old person uh, uh, if the technology is the proper one and the user experience is the proper one uh, the tech li literacy uh, obviously grows uh, dramatically so so there there have been several situations in the market that have made uh, well, imagine, uh, as I was saying, um, for example, uh, at the beginning, we developed the technology to be used for, for access control, uh, to access venues, etc. We pivoted to the mobile because we knew the trend was coming, and that was like three years ahead of, of the actual uh, curve coming. Uh, and for example, uh, we've been using the technology now in, 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 in for ATMs to withdraw money. You only approach the, the ATM, you, and with your face, you get identified, authenticate as well, and, and then you're able to withdraw money. Uh, so obviously, uh, with everyday situations and being now the situation being uh, biometrics available at every level, every industry, and every use case, uh, obviously, all these changes have created uh, that I would say the barrier to entry uh, to the technology is not, is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm really happy that you brought up the, the pension um, collection and, and liveness uh, example. I remember reporting on that when you first announced it and being really amazed at how it sort of went against a lot of established industry knowledge. And I think, again, it just goes to show you that, uh, like you said, if you have that proper user experience, um, you can help increase the tech literacy uh, with demographics like that often are forgotten with new technology like like the elderly so i mean it was fantastic and and i think that that helps um perhaps the most pressing trend in identity over the past 18 months has been the very strong influence of privacy regulations this is all around the globe um how does face fee keep up with new privacy laws and how does privacy inform your business practices well, uh, I mean, there is this is something that that obviously is a present trend and it's a good trend and obviously it's not going to do anything but increase from from now on because again, uh, as as uh, as the level of adoption increases and the level of industries using biometric technology and identity technologies, this is going to increase. And for us, uh, number one is 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 having this as a focus when 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 creating our solutions and when understanding use cases. Uh, we do have a dedicated, uh, obviously, uh, law team that is is trying to to understand every single every single uh, uh, law and every single regulation. Not only that, also participating in sandboxes and participating in different uh, conversations. That obviously, at the end of the day, uh, the the government they try to impose a regulation, but most of the time they don't really know what the technology can do, what can do, and uh, what is secure, what is not. So we try to be in as many conversations as possible to help them understand what is the actual need uh, and how the technology can adapt to to the to make sure that they keep their citizens uh, secure. So I would say uh, number one, keeping it as a focus. Number two, participating in those in those conversations, and 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 again, uh, is is having a technology that is able to to uh, be adapted to every single requirement. Imagine, for example, you are talking to a global company that has to implement a, a digital uh, uh, authentication or digital uh, identity solution across the globe. Obviously, ideally for this company, they will be using the same vendor for, for, for China, for Korea, Japan, 
uh, in the European Union, in United States, in Latin America, in Africa. So not all countries have same regulations. Not all countries have the same capabilities to, 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 to adopt uh, technology and, and to be able to, to deploy this technology. But, but the users are global, the market is global, and the, and the companies are global. So, so for us, um, what we try and do uh, is, is have the, the uh, adaptable solutions and, and have, um, again, is uh, going back to the Swiss uh, uh, knife, um, having the technologies required to be able to do double authentications and to understand and, and adapt to every single use case. And, and this relates back to the previous question. Uh, on, on tech literacy. Let me put you an example. Um, and for accessibility uh, purposes, we do try to present several uh, flows for the same for the same onboarding. Let's say that someone is trying to do an onboarding with with a face, but at any point for accessibility reasons, they need to be using voice. Uh, obviously, this impacts uh, uh, the privacy and this impacts the, the, the security. Uh, um, so you need to be flexible on technology to be able to adapt to the use case and to the user while securing the, the privacy and the and the regulation. And then on the other hand, um, and even though most of the solutions that we implement in the market are on-premise, so, so basically the, the security uh, uh, of, of the user's uh, data is, is normally at the, at the bank uh, servers, not ours, as we do have a SaaS solution as well, uh, we do make sure that all the the, the solution, all the, the customer data is properly secured. And then, and to finalize your, the question, Peter, um, as you know, the, the industry is moving to self-sovereign identity, is moving to, to decentralized uh, identity and to digital wallets. And, 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 and that is definitely the next situation coming ahead, is, is, is having the user uh, in control of their, of their actual data. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a very empowering paradigm. And once again, not to just continually repeat it, but it's something that you need to sort of be prepared for because that reality is here and um, and those opportunities exist now. And so it's it's great to have that essentially business philosophy and um, an innovation philosophy to, to help that happen. Um, I want to take the last bit of this podcast to talk about what's next for face fee. So recently you posted some very impressive, um, I'll just say record breaking revenue growth in 2022. My first question here is what's behind face fees continued success? Well, I would say um, one of the things is that since the, from, from the very beginning, uh, when we were in, uh, implementing this technology with our customers and with this approach of, of, of making the technology a, a completely a, a, a perfect shoot to, to our customer and to our and to their problem is, is sitting together with them, understanding what the what the user uh, really needs and what is really a proper experience for the user, while securing the the systems uh, uh, from our customers and and being able to to adapt our product to the actual need and, and making a, a a complete fit to the to the customer. That, that has brought us with, with obviously, uh, the acknowledgement of, of the industry as having I mean, face fee as a, as a prominent player. Uh, also, uh, uh, with, with the, the last changes in, in, our, in our product portfolio, developing the, the digital identity platform, uh, that has created this, this, this record-breaking uh, revenue that you mentioned. 
and uh, with that we 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 stayed ahead of the curve uh, uh, we are now pivoting not only to the to the banking sector that has been the primary revenue for us but we do have now smart cities we have now uh, insurance company healthcare uh, shared mobility we have uh, airports airport operators uh, uh, so uh, hotels so basically we are we are implementing the technology now uh, in across different industries geographies and use cases so that has created uh, uh, that that success that that you mentioned i'm mm -hmm. um, just to go off of what you just mentioned about global opportunities and new markets specifically i'm wondering what markets are you pursuing well the the approach that we're having is is now that we are a, a prominent leader in latin america obviously we are we are entering new verticals across across latin america uh, and trying to to use this leverage in the banking industry for fintech for crypto for gaming and, and for the other verticals that we were not uh, really entering and trying to cover the the the, the few existing countries where we were not, were not present in in latin america um but as as you know we we opened up a a subsidiary in apac uh, several years back to 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 take care of, of all the Asia Pacific markets. And, and just last year, uh, we opened the, the EMEA office that is, is, is based in London, but taking care of, of Europe and with people dedicated in the ground uh, in, in Africa, in Middle East and across several uh, European countries to, to, to expand uh, our technology to, again, different geographies, different uh, verticals and, and use cases. Fantastic. Well, I mean, that's all extremely exciting. And we'll have some links to some of those um, announcements in our show notes. So everybody listening, you can just tap on those links to learn more there. But before you do that, um, I have one last question here for you, Louis. Uh, and it's a little bit more on the short term. What can we expect from face fee in 2023? Well, in 2023, we are mostly focused from the from the, uh, the company expansion is to to implement uh, and to really make sure that that we are we have uh, boots on the ground in in all these countries that that i've mentioned and from the technology standpoint um, we are really looking at at operating in in digital wallets in as i mentioned uh, uh, several use cases uh, with the smart cities with decentralized identity um, and self-sovereign identity so basically uh, that is the, the the technology we really believe and and we want to be let's say ambassadors for that because we understand that is definitely the way ahead and as you can see and and you know peter most of the governments are di digitalizing their identities mm -hmm. so let's say fraud at, at the, the as you know in the industry there have been for many years this uh, okay le, uh, let's prove that this physical plastic identity uh, uh, is real uh, but as governments and other organizations start to put their identity uh, in digital uh, already and having um, the possibility to open up their databases securely of course um, to different uh, use cases uh, i really see the way forward for for that and as a company we're really focused on on again putting the the user at the center and, and definitely this decentralized identity technologies and self-sovereign identity technologies are gonna are gonna help us move this this path. Well, that's very exciting and I can't wait just you know as my role as editor here to uh, to be reporting on those 
uh, developments as they happen. Louis, thank you so much for joining me again on the podcast. Before we go, how can listeners get in touch with you to learn more about everything that we discussed today? Well, the best thing they can do is they can they can go to our website, which is faceview.com. And there is a there is obviously a contact form over there. Uh, obviously, as today we have the possibility also of, of uh, LinkedIn or or even by by email to to facefee at facefee.com. Fantastic. Well, once again, Louis, thank you so much for uh, joining me on ID Talk. I'm excited for the next time we get to chat. Thanks to you, Peter, and and thank you for for inviting us as always. We really look forward to to participating in keep participating in this conversation uh, with you in the in the identity industry. And so concludes my conversation with Louis Guijero, Chief Marketing Officer at FaceFee. To learn more about the topics discussed in this episode, visit facefee.com or click on the links in the show notes in this episode's description. For everything else digital identity and biometrics, stay posted to findbiometrics.com and mobileidworld.com. I would like to thank Louis for speaking to me on this episode. Our podcast theme music is by Logamrad. I have been your host, Peter Counter. Thank you for listening to the ID Talk podcast. Mm-hmm.